On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Performance Anxiety. This week's guest is Buck Curran. For a decade, he played as part of the psych folk duo Arborea. He struck out on his own and has released a new solo album, No Love Is Sorrow. Currently, Buck and his family are living in Bergamo, Italy, which is the epicenter of the COVID-19 virus in Europe. So Buck tells me a lot about the new album and what's behind many of the songs on the album, but as a touring musician in Europe, he gets pretty candid about how the current lockdown situation is impacting his family. If you like the music, please consider picking up his work on Bandcamp, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or wherever you purchase your downloads. Look for him on social media so you can see when he's able to tour both Europe and North America again. Now let's jump right into Buck Curran. Okay. Uh, hi, this is uh, Buck Curran. My new album is called uh, No Love is Sorrow, and it's uh, available through all the digital formats around the world, um, Bandcamp and Apple Music. Vinyl should be coming out in October uh, via ESP Disc, my label in the United States. I'm thankful to uh, Mark for having me on Performance Anxiety. And uh, luckily, I don't have too much anxiety at the moment because Mark's such a great guy to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank uh, you, man. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, thanks. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me and uh, I appreciate it. So the, the first thing that I like to do is uh, find out a little bit about how you got into music and a little bit about your history and your background. And uh, so what I'd like to know initially is how did you get started with music? Did, did you have a musical family? Was there a lot of uh, records playing in the house and, and what were you what type of music were you into as a kid? Yeah, um, it was really uh, because my only my grandmother, uh, my dad's mom played uh, some organ, you know. Okay. So there wasn't really any kind of uh, music in in the family in that regard. But my parents had a great record collection. Like, uh, you know, they they had a really mixed uh, bag of things: uh, classical music like John Williams, oh. which uh, what really blew me away in regards to uh, hearing a guitar, just solo guitar. Okay. And hearing this kind of perfection and tone and everything. And, and then at the same time, they had Tim Buckley and the OJs, a lot of soul music, oh, cool. a lot of folk, uh, you know, Simon Garfunkel, stuff like that. So, that definitely had a big uh, influence on on me. Uh, electric guitar took a little bit longer to kind of uh, sink in. Oh, really? Because, of course, they had the Frampton record. Yeah, <laughs> everybody had that. Uh, I, I, I remember putting that on like every year at some point. And eventually it clicked, but at first it didn't. It was uh, – I, I think I uh, – 
I don't know. I, I liked more folky elements or something, just naturally, you know. Okay, yeah. And as a kid, uh, of course, I I was always, uh, I loved Elvis, so I'd, you know, go around singing, you know. There was a lot more singing and okay. choir kind of oriented things, you know. Ah, uh, so, okay. Okay, yeah, that, that was going to be one of the yeah. questions was, did you always sing? So, yeah. That... And then eventually my, my dad got a guitar, uh, classical guitar and had a teacher come to the house and you know I would see them interact and but you know he he really didn't do much with it oh, no. it ended up under you know under the bed more <laughs> often than not I know it it just kept pulling me you know like yeah eventually uh, eventually he gave me the the guitar you know and then we had moved from Detroit down to Ohio and so you're talking like seventh, eighth grade, and Ooh. a lot of kids were listening to ACDC and stuff, you know. So yeah. I got a little transducer pickup, um, put it on the classical <laughs> guitar, and, and cranked up the amp. So the classical guitar would distort, you know, yeah. and try to play uh, in that way. Oh, wow. Know? Yeah. That's crazy. So, yeah. <laughs> when did you start playing with bands and playing out in public well okay as i developed uh i uh back back in those days you know you you didn't have youtube and things so, right uh you know there was like the guitar player magazine I used to get would that all introduce the time. you to players so you know, I got to learn about uh, Gypsy Jazz, like when Birelli Legrand was young. He was featured in that magazine, so it made me go out and, like, influence me enough to uh, the articles that I would go seek out the records. Right, you know? yeah. And so, and then flamenco and stuff like that. But, of course, for me, it's like as much as my friends were into shredding stuff, I kind of like, as far as, especially in regard to electric music, I always gravitated more towards like what Clapton was doing in cream, these kind of like long sustaining notes, yeah, you know, and BB King, these things like this. So, um, so there was that part of it, you know, I had these heavy like folk and world music things mixed with contemporary, like, Oh, Jimi Hendrix, of course. Yeah. For many people, uh, just blew me away. Also, not not just for the guitar playing, but for the poetry. You know, the songwriting still yeah. uh, blows me away today. Actually, actually, that's become even more of an important element when I listen to his music. You, you know, know that you know that's a really good point because I. I... I kind of feel the same way about Hendrix because I got into Hendrix for the blistering riffs and the feedback and the the, the bombastic element to to his guitar playing, and it's only since I, I've kind of matured in in my listening over the past you know de couple decades you know I'm in my mid forties now so you know that the the, the lyrical aspect of his music means more to me. I still love the, 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 you know, fire and brimstone guitar, you know, voodoo child is still just incredible, but yeah. the, you know, the lyrical aspect of the wing, you know, wing cries Mary of six was nine, things like that. You know, it's just 
that means a lot more to me now that I grow up. Yeah, and I, I you know, also with lead guitar, um, I kind of, like, year after year, the more I listen to shredding music, to me it didn't really make much sense because even going to sh concerts and listening to favorite guitar players, you know, like within a week out, I could never remember the what the hell they they had played. Yeah, it was just a blur. Right? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, you, you could go like hear uh, I don't know anybody. Certain, definitely certain Jimi Hendrix stuff, uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan. Yeah, uh, Eric Clapton, and you could still remember. It was more like a voice. You yeah, know? yeah, because there's that well, feeling to it. There's, in yeah. addition to the playing, and it's not just speed for speed's sake. Yeah, and so, you know, with my own playing, just thinking about uh, creating that tone, you know, working on the voice of the note, you know. Okay. Uh, I, I certainly have a lot of friends and contemporary musicians that I, I play a lot of concerts with, and they have this really developed uh, right hand uh approach to playing guitar and i'm more in the left hand yeah i i, so. <laughs> I, I can definitely hear that with the the dexterity the the hammer and the pull-offs and the interesting phrasings it's just yeah i, I definitely feel what you're saying when you when you say that i'm, I'm thinking back specifically to your, your song for your son song for liam that's just i absolutely love that track that's a beautiful song even remember how exactly how that particular <laughs> song came together in the way that it did except for there's some kind of a chordal melodic imagery in there that um for some reason i was uh kind of reflecting on on music by bert yanch oh you know? yeah yeah so so i don't know i, I as all my music's created, it's uh, it's really not created on the guitar per se. Okay. I'm I'm always away from the instrument, oh. and it, you know, um, and it and a melody will come into my mind, and then maybe a second section, and and then I have to go to the guitar and find it. You wow! Know? Oh wow! So that's fascinating. Uh, and so that's that's pretty much my my way that I approach things. And uh, uh, somebody was commenting on the there's like a long instrumental called well it's the title track for my new album, uh, and they were talking about how uh, I don't know like it it sounded like it was uh, composed in a way, but actually it's like ninety percent improvised. Really. Record. Yeah. Oh my God. So that's uh, so you talk about uh, no love mix. and sorrow. Yeah, there's there's a mix the way that that I record uh, how recordings are made and how they end up on records. 
they're either almost entirely improv improvised or they've been composed away from the guitar and then i have to find the voicings you know and the spots and oh. and i i always try to stay within one or two tunings that way when i play a live show i don't have to do too much you know <laughs> makes sense <laughs> i mean almost entirely in the last two years on the acoustic guitar i've been using dadgad okay and uh, and also of course i've i've heard a lot of people say oh dadgad doesn't make too much sense it's like uh it's not like the best tuning for harmony and stuff like that and uh i always kind of thought of that as a, a challenge yeah you know? <laughs> like, but uh i also play with a girl um a woman amazing musician her name is Ad adaya and i travel to switzerland a lot and play concerts with her and then in in her band setting i strictly play electric guitar okay. i play slide and she's doing she's playing uh banjo and acoustic guitar and she's a multi-instrumentalist she can play anything flutes uh oh wow and i always play my my strat or whatever electric guitar i have in dadgad up against what she's doing oh really yeah so... which is what what i did in arborea my duo for 10 years you know right yeah And then I just use a capo a lot if I need to, you know, change oh. things. You know? Okay, okay. So, so how did how did you start with Arborio? Is that uh, was that just uh, were you actually looking to start a band and 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 you just found each other or? Was it well, uh, you know, Shanti and and I were married for like seven years before uh, we we started doing. The music that would become Arborea. Okay. I knew she could sing, and uh, when we first got together, uh, we were listening to. I was introducing a lot of like British folk music to her, like June Tabor and Martin Simpson. Okay. Uh, a lot of things like that, and I knew she could sing, and I kind of envisioned a time when we might be able to, you know, make music in that way. Yeah. You know, I liked the concept of uh, acoustic guitar and 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 voice. You know, yeah. making this as much a, a sound a big I don't know soundscape as we could make in that regard. But uh, when we first started, I one of the key things was is that I bought her a banjo, okay. and it was like in a in a a B minor tuning. And uh, I started playing slide guitar, and she just started. She just naturally started doing these like syncopations and in this way of finger picking. Okay. And and it was almost like in that first summer together, the the sound was there. We just 
we just did like backyard jams, you know, for a year. Then start, I started writing some things. She started writing some things. And then the following year, we put our first album out. Oh, you know? man. And that, so, and so that lasted for 10 years then? Well, uh, we started in 2005, and then we played our last uh, European tour. We were on the road for a month uh, from Italy all the way to Sweden in 2015. Okay. Wow. So, yeah. And, uh, you know, we have, we have been on the road a, a long time, and, and Shanti was definitely tired. And, yeah. And she deserved a break, and uh, she decided to... Uh, you know, to stop playing for the, for the meantime, you know, and, uh, we've talked about doing some things together. I, we're not in a rush to do that because we did so much work together, but yeah. as far as the band going on hiatus, uh, I needed to, to keep working, you know, oh, yeah. uh, with, with music and I love, I love traveling. So, you know, it wasn't a thing for me to stop in that regard, right. you know, so, and so, which is a problem right, right now. Yeah. <laughs> so you're currently in Italy, in Bergamo. Yeah, and I, I met my wife, Adele, when I was on tour and met, you know, several years ago. And uh, so I ended up uh, here at the time I was spending a lot of time in Switzerland okay. and playing with Adaya, recording on her first solo record and and uh, i called my friend up in in the north of italy and uh said hey i want to do a couple shows and do, do you want to do a short tour so you know on that tour uh adele had organized a show for me in, here in bergamo so yeah and I, I had met her the night before in uh, in uh milan okay and then my friend who i was on tour with already uh, knew about her and, and played some of her music for for me, you know. Okay. Although at the time I didn't know that was her singing. Oh, cool. I didn't relate the Adele H in the video that my friend Paolo was showing me to the person I ended up, uh, you know, meeting <laughs> and now who I'm with. You know? so. So, and so you're there and then you just decide to to stay or had you moved to, to Italy beforehand? So we hung out and then, uh, and then I went back up to the North of Italy up in the, in Vatalina, this mountainous area and stayed for a week and, and it, Adele and I started talking. So, um, I decided on my way back to Switzerland to stop and, and visit her. And, uh, so I was gone for about a week at like I visited her and then I went to, Switzerland to play some gigs with Adaya, and then we were talking, and we decided we didn't want to be apart oh, from each other. Wow. So I came back, and then eventually, like that Christmas and New Year's, uh, she came back with uh, me to Maine oh, okay. and got to meet my my older kids. With you know, Shanti and I yeah. had kids together. They're uh, seventeen and twenty one now. You oh know, man. So. Yeah, so after that period, I went back to Italy and stayed for a little bit, but then I had to go back to Maine again. I was I was in 2016 in Maine for like five months before coming back here. You know. Okay. So it's been a it's been a lot of back and forth, but in the last two years uh, since 
uh, Adele and I had our son, Francesco, uh, I've been here, you know. So you moved to Italy for love. That's un- that's perfect for Italy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is a perfect Italian story. That, that could be yeah. a, an Italian opera. Hey, there you go. There's, there's a project for you. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> but I, I, I wanted to tell you how much I, I, I love the tone of your guitar. It's absolutely beautiful. I mean, it reminds me of, of like Ry Cooter, John Fahey, uh, the, the playing wise, uh, especially Leo Kotke more in the tone than, than, than his style. But it's just, it's an incredible, beautiful, clear tone. Is your guitar set up specifically? I mean, or is that just you? Do you can you get that off of any guitar that you just pick up off a wallet and music store? Well, you know, you know, it's funny. Uh, I would say it's it's more me, and the and the reason I say that is because I've owned a lot of really expensive Martin guitars and stuff, yeah. and uh, in this period, and especially in the last four years, I have uh, like I recorded morning haikus with this hundred and forty dollar guitar. <laughs> wow. It's this Yamaha, and it's my road guitar. Oh, there's the tape all over it. The action's the action's super high. Yeah, it's not it's not even very comfortable to play. To be honest with you, <laughs> I have I have a guitar that I built and designed, which I always use on my records, and that guitar sounds great. But I tend like uh, I didn't have that guitar for morning haikus. I uh, afternoon rockers. I had this. Oh wow. And then um, two years ago, well, September, August and September of 2018, I was on the, in the U.S. and I toured from East Coast to West and, and then back. Okay. And uh, when I was in Berkeley, I bought a, uh, well, I needed a, a guitar because I had uh, borrowed one in various places, like uh my friend uh, Riley Walker was kind enough to loan me his guitar for my Chicago uh, show, and he's got a beautiful old guild, you know. Oh, nice. But when I was out in California, so I didn't have a guitar, and I went into this famous old guitar shop there, and I was thinking to find a Yamaha because they're very consistent, you know. Right. And they sound – you can get them. You can, you can manipulate them. Uh, through technique or whatever to sound really good for strumming or finger style. Okay. Okay. So, um, but then I walked in and in the corner I saw this, uh, um, this recording King guitar, you know, (laughs) and, uh, it was, uh, I ended up buying that because I needed one for the East coast. This is a beautiful guitar. Oh, wow, yeah. But this guitar was like $120. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. And 
if you listen to the recording uh, No Love Is Sorrow, I'm playing this guitar. Oh, really? I use either the mostly the Yamaha guitar or this guitar on my new album. Man. I only use uh, my my really nice guitar uh, on one or two tracks only. I I, I use the inexpen inexpensive guitars. Uh, the instrumental called uh, For Adele, which mm -hmm. is one of the closest things I have to classical music. Uh, was recorded with this guitar. Oh wow! Okay, and I, and I like how the tone came out, you know, yeah. on uh, the recording. But yeah, I'm definitely playing consciously in specific places, and when I record, I'm listening for things, you okay. know. I'm 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 definitely working the tone as much as possible oh. with the recording, you know. Yeah, you got a, a great. Um... And I don't want to say like a percussive style because it's not like um, um, you're not slapping the guitar and, and doing all that crazy. Which, which I hate that yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, no, I mean, I don't actually have any problem with people doing it. Yeah. For me, no. I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't like doing loops. I like everything to like be naturally moving forward. Right. You know, but like uh, in a very, uh, progressive uh you know um how do you say like uh it's just like indian music that's what i love about indian music it's very natural and it develops naturally on a linear modal path okay yeah okay and you met you mentioned uh rykuter uh 20 years ago that was a very important um person you know for me like yeah. the um of course, the Paris, Texas soundtrack and the tone on that is incredible, you know? Yeah. Uh, w one of my favorite, I guess it's more of an EP, is, is that, um, Meeting Across the River that he did. I, I... Yeah, yeah. So, and I was going to say, that's the other album that was a, a major album for me as well, you know, when yeah. it came out. Uh, and you know what? The music aside, the way they talked about how they recorded the album. Yes. that That's what I'm doing now. That's what I've been doing my whole career is wow. like being influenced by by that. You know, like the idea of field recordings. Yeah. You know? That's yeah. that to me. That's kind of stuff is fascinating to me. I, I absolutely love that. My son is, is big into electronics and, all, and I'm trying to get him to. Uh, to experiment with that. He likes taking things apart. He's, he's insane. He buys old TVs and takes <laughs> them apart. And he, like, wow. he, he got, um, he got this old TV he found on, I guess on eBay or something. Yeah. I was either eBay or Amazon. I don't know, but it's this little tiny portable TV from the eighties and it's wow. all just black and white. And 
what he gets the biggest kick out of is a getting it to work again and then b yeah. hooking it up to the cable so that he can watch brand new shows on a little teeny old black and white screen <laughs> that's funny <laughs> That's great. At first, I was like, "This is insane! What are you doing?" And now I'm just like, yeah. "Hey, that's your thing, okay? What what can I do? <laughs> what can I do to help you?" <laughs> so. That's great, though. I mean, he's really being creative, you know. Yeah, and in a in a way, in his own way. Yeah, it, it's, it's completely different than anything I would have thought of. <laughs> right. So, which which I guess is what your kids tend to do. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So you're currently on lockdown. Mm-hmm. Have there a lot of people are like you know freaking out about being on lockdown? Have there been any positives for lockdown for you uh, or your music? Uh, well, yeah, Adele and I were talking about that uh, yesterday with Fred because uh, I mean we we went through kind of a really depression phase with this whole okay. where we didn't feel like playing, you know. Yeah, but eventually. Uh, my my son is going to be three um, in June. He just uh, well, it, it didn't it didn't help by me playing some Jimi Hendrix and stuff, which he just naturally seems to gravitate towards. Or uh, some <laughs> I showed him some Eric Clapton video uh, <laughs> of him playing with Cream. You know, like uh, it's this famous video from like the last tour where okay. he's explaining how he plays the guitar. Yeah. You know, and he's playing his SG beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, after that, it was like, Francesco would just be like every day. He still does it. He's like, daddy, you know, uh, electric guitar. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> so, you know, it, you know, it pretty much grabs me and we go and, and he plays like air guitar. He brings us, uh, ukulele and, oh that's awesome yeah and, and he wants me to plug in it's like yeah actually he prefers the electric guitar <laughs> you know hey there you go. <laughs> <laughs> see just just like my son's doing stuff that's opposite when you were his age you were you, you gravitated towards classical guitar he's doing he's like yeah i'm, I'm yeah, into guitar yeah. but let's do it this way yeah exactly so, so yeah i mean so that really helped get me out of a you know funk really that's awesome um, and and i had really just kind of finished uh um the mixes for my my new album and i had it over to my my mastering guy in uh montreal okay so i knew you know and i was projecting that i would release the album in october and do a tour you know, like a U.S. tour. Yeah. And uh, and then, of course, you know, do a lot of things in, in England and, and Europe. And uh, then this thing started hitting, you yeah. know. And uh, usually, I mean, the, with the way my touring cycle goes, I don't have any work in, in December, you know, because of the holidays. Yeah. And that usually spills over into January, you know. Okay. My my last touring, I was on October and November, and then there were a few shows in January, a couple in in December only. Yeah. But the big, the last big touring was uh, October and November. Wow. So it was, it was really difficult when uh, 
the government here or the locale, uh, the region decided to go into mand- mandatory lockdown. Yeah, that's uh, and, uh, that was March eighth. Uh, but we already started kind of self-isolating earlier because we started hearing about things. Yeah. You know, uh, in February. And, uh, but yeah, and we're still, uh, we're still here. <laughs> yeah. We're, nothing's changed. Uh, we have to self-certificate. We have to carry like print a certificate if we need to go to the grocery store and walk with that. Wow. You have to wear masks. Uh, to go into grocery stores. Everything else has been closed, uh, still closed. I thought, now I've heard the the level of uh, infections have, you know, leveled off of new infections. But good. I just looked at the stats and progressively over the last 30 days, we've lost five to 600 people every day. It's, it's so insane. it went from just over a thousand at the beginning of this to now over 20 almost 22,000 oh my god that's amazing that's <laughs> yeah. just, that's, inc- that's insane it, it's- I so many of uh luckily for adele her her mom and her dad are are safe and they've been on quarantine but we know we had a good friend that died not too long ago oh i'm sorry a lot of fr- uh, good good friends, parents, and grandparents have died here. Oh, it's been very uh, it's been crazy here in Bergamo specifically. Yeah, I, I have friends down in Tuscany, which we're only talking three and a half hours away, and it's okay. a totally different really uh, situation down there. Yeah, it's more loose. There's not so much infections in that wow. part of Italy, but here it's been just staggering yeah and it, it's changed things here i'm outside of dc so i'm about uh, 75 right. miles west of dc in winchester home of patsy klein but i've got a, about a 40 mile commute to my job and uh so wow. yeah so it, it's uh usually it, it takes i mean but we're on major highways so it's usually it, it with the traffic going into DC, because I, I go east for work, it's about it. It, it takes me, at, I'd say, at least forty-five minutes to get to work. And uh, sure. now, I mean, I, I'm going forty miles, and I'm, it's taken me thirty-five minutes. It's there's no wow. traffic. Everybody that is, they're making everybody work from home. Uh, besides my wife, for some reason, they're not letting her work from home. But I can't. Uh. I've got to be, uh, I've got to be there. But what they're doing for us is they're doing, uh, they split the staff in half and rotating two weeks on, two weeks off. So, but it's but you don't have that kind of restriction, like where there's somebody waiting ten minutes away that's going to say, no, you can't drive your car through here, right? No, like, not not uh, yet, not yet. But what they are doing is uh, they've shut down all restaurants and 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 any. Like uh, uh, any venues where where public where there's public gatherings, um, you can go and get delivery or pick up just about any place that still cares to be open and and, and you know serve food or, or things. But um, a lot of stores are limiting the amount of people who can go in. Um, and yeah. for example, like like the in, in Virginia, the state 
runs the liquor stores. So what they're doing is they're only letting like four to five people inside the store. Um, everybody has to, else has to wait outside. They'll motion you in. You just right. tell one person what you want, and someone I, else goes and tries to find it while you wait in line. Right. They'll bring it up to the register, and so there's there's basically there's no browsing anymore. <laughs> you have to, you have to go yeah. and know what you want. So, yeah, and that's my alcoholic self. <laughs> <laughs> that's my alcoholic experience. <laughs> but you know, but like uh, the department stores, uh, the, the the mall here, the local mall is completely closed. Everything in that it's uh, yeah. Um, the department stores, the the, uh, the big box stores, and the and the uh, standalone department stores are. Um, Limiting the number of people inside at a time, and they'll have somebody out there telling you when you can go in, and you know. And sometimes they're they're limiting the amount of time you can stay in. So right. So it, it's it's interesting, and I'm I'm really curious to see what happens once everything starts to subside. If if we go back to normal, or if certain things have changed for good. Yeah, I mean, there's some kind of rumors going around too, but. I, I, I forget which, there was a music site yesterday I saw that say, oh, uh, concerts may not come back until, you know, well, I, I'm sure they're talking about big concerts. Yeah. You know, yeah. big gatherings so until uh, next summer. That's what I'm, I'm hearing that about sporting events, too, and that they, they want people to, to social distance until 2022. And uh, yeah. I... I I don't know that that's going to fly with with, yeah. with with corporations like the NFL, uh, baseball, and and you know, you know, like a a band like I don't know a big concert drive. I guess like Metallica, they can survive without touring for a few years. But you know, independent artists like yourself really need to, yeah. to get out and tour. Yeah. So I don't know what's going to happen. It, it, it's going to be. I I can't wait to get through this is basically what I'm saying. I and, and not just because I want to see what it's like on the other side, but because people that I, I know and care about are, are you know, they're struggling and they're suffering through all this because they don't have work. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know about you, but I can go to the grocery store. The grocery stores are still open. You don't currently you don't need anything to go in, but they're starting to limit the number of people that, that can be in the grocery store at a time. But yeah. and they've got just about everything you need. Except for freaking toilet paper. I don't know what the hell the rush is on toilet paper and why we can't replenish it. What is going on? People have lost their job. Maybe the toilet paper companies should start picking up some of these people who are filing for unemployment. I don't know why we can't fix the toilet paper situation in this country. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. I always get like... uh, It's insane. My friend's sending me photos of the... like. you know, my my ex Chanti, uh, you know, she'll send me photos of uh, empty shelves, and I'm like, what? What? Yeah, it. We had we had like one or two days where people panicked, and uh, uh, like everybody, but yeah, that of quickly that quickly filtered down, and and we haven't had a problem since then. You know, and people are very courteous with each other, and. I mean, I even hear from friends in different parts of like England or where in other places where they actually get joked for wearing a mask. Wow. In public. 
you know, and it's like, uh, thank God Italy's not like that. You yeah. Know? Yeah, they're making us wear masks at work. Masks, and we wear gloves anyway because I we, we touch parts, you know, parts that are going into surgery. So, uh, but it is mandatory that we wear a mask. So, yeah, it just helps everybody all the way around. Like, yeah. what's the big deal? Why do you? Yeah, why, what's the anxiety with the? Yeah, and but the funny thing is, some and and leave it to leave it to people to uh, to figure out how to making a weird situation interesting. There are people who are making a, the crazy designs on surgical masks. Like you can get college logo, your, your favorite college football team's logo on, on a mask. It's just, it's awesome. It, it's it's <laughs> <Right>. so cool. <laughs> Let's go back to the music a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I wanted to ask you a question about um, a song in particular here. And um, I got a, a War Behind the Sun. I love that track. I I, I love your playing with Ebo because that's that's the I don't even know what it is. It's 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 fascinated me for years, Mm -hmm. and I it's um and I don't know if it's an effect if it's an instrument into its into itself. I don't know what you consider it, but Ebo fascinates me, and and you use it a bit uh, quite a bit, and I love it. Can you? But and War Behind the Sun is different. I mean, it's like. It's really crazy using it too. I, it's, I've always found it hard to be very consistent with it. I mean, I, I've, I've worked it into a way where I can use it in specific ways that work. But sometimes it just, it's like uh, riding a wild horse, you know. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, the important thing is, is, uh, you know. Like this guitar is nice because it's only got two pickups. Right. Uh, for years with Arbori, I was playing the Debo and I had the Strat. Well, now you have three uh, pickups with with the magnetic fields. Right. And that's where it gets really crazy. You have to really be subtle. Okay. You know, with with two pickups being spread wider apart, then you can kind of like. You know, like lean into it a different way, bring it in slowly, and okay. you know, dynamic things with it. You know, and my poor Ebo, uh, now I've had for so long, it's totally cracked, like oh. everywhere. It's like, uh, oh, wow, the whole you can't see, but the whole there's a crack all the way here. Oh, I can I see duct- it now. Yeah, I had uh, duct tape <laughs> on it. Oh. And it will have duct tape all over it again when I start touring it again. Oh my gosh! Because uh, I'm, if not, if I drop it, it's just going to totally explode. You know? oh, no. But I have a newer one, and I prefer the sound of this one. Oh really? I don't know if something as as these get older, uh, they take on different characteristics with the you know the magnetic. Oh, you know, okay. I never thought of that. But it, 
it's it's like the new one. There's too much there. Okay. You know? Wow, I never thought of that. I've never uh, ridden to anybody in Ebo, but you know, um, there was a a time in music when I was here in the Ebo being used uh, by new wave bands, Flock Seagulls. Yeah. Uh, the making of the Unforgettable Fire. Um, Brian Eno was showing the Edge how to use the Ebo, uh, and so those, you know, those were really, really early influences when I was very young. Okay, you know, and uh, I just loved it, and and I had to get one. Now, two interesting things about War Behind the Sun is that. Uh, there's a Bansuri player, the Indian flute. Oh, okay. And, and that's my friend Nico, who's uh, my wife Adele's one of her oldest friends. He's from Bergamo. Okay. For the last 10 years, he's been living with Hari Prasad Chalaresha, like five months out of the year in India. Oh, cool. And he, now he's, I mean, the last couple of years, he's been performing with him. Oh, wow. Um, Nico just won a really prestigious, uh, like, Indian music award for a Westerner playing Indian music, you know. Wow. I mean, he's, he's, he's really amazing, you know. And uh, it's really great for me because I am constantly asking Nico questions about ragas and things like that. Yeah. Uh, things that, to get deeper into it, because... Now it's been a long time since I've been listening to sitar music, and that's a, also a big influence on my playing. Okay. You know, uh, Pandit Nickel Banerjee, um, a, a friend of mine who I used to work for years, many, many years ago, um, in the late 90s, he had all these CDs of, of Banerjee. And, uh, uh, Raga Records CDs, you know. Okay. And uh, I just fell in love with his playing, you know. Yeah. Especially, like, the slow alop sections. Like, he was so uh, dynamic and just so complete in the way that he would play and sustain these notes out and stuff, you know. Oh, so wow. became a big influence on me. But anyways, with uh, – so there's two things, like – I'm playing that in Dadgad, okay? okay? And uh, Nico, we have been talking about Indian music, and he told me that there's really only one raga for the sunset. Oh. So there's many, you know, ragas for the in the middle of the night or the morning or the afternoon, but there's this one sacred raga, okay? okay. And uh, he showed me, like, the melody, or and and in specific, so I was uh, you know picked up the guitar. He was playing the Bansuri flute, and he showed me this section. And I thought, oh, I want to incorporate that somehow into the music. Okay. And uh, and I started thinking, and then I um, came up with that you know the the intervals that are the introduction. Okay. Of that, very quickly. And so I established only that. Okay. And then at the very end of that recording, 
I I echo that sunset raga. Right, right. You can hear specific notes in that after I I come back and play those uh, you know the the chordal intervals. Yes, yes. That's that's that piece. Okay. But so in the beginning, after that main the main inter- interval, the introduction. Yeah. It's strictly improv. <laughs> Wow. For, for all that. And there is another layer. You can hear some underlying, you know, I went and improvised another track underneath. Yeah, yeah. Uh, doing just crazy things. But I I had the guitar because I've got a, a, a couple cool fuzz faces. And, uh, oh, yeah. And also I have this little, uh, um, I love small amps. Because oh. you can make them. Depending on how you mic them, you can you can make them sound massive. Right. Okay. Know? And uh, basically, I just had the guitar sounded like it was on fire. I had so much sustain, you know. Like, <laughs> uh, and then in sections, I used the Evo as well. So yeah, I but literally, that. you almost didn't need the Evo. It was that hot. Oh wow! Like, yeah. And the other thing is, I had this guy. Uh, Actually, his house just burnt down like oh, a God. month ago. He, oh. he lives in the, the Midwest. He has this uh, comp- pedal company called Melody Pedals. Oh, cool. And he made the, me this uh, pedal that I've always wanted to have. Okay. Which is like a, a clean octave boost pedal. Oh, wow. You know? Yeah, yeah. So... so this is really important for my strat because my strat I hate the way it sounds now without without the clean boost. Really? This just gives it a big overhead presence. Oh, it, wow. you know, it makes the pickup sound more like a humbucker, you know. Oh, cool. Okay. So it's really But then I have a I have it so I can just click on so I wanted a small pedal so I could travel with it. Right. Cuz I travel just with a bag. Okay. And, uh, and a gig bag and then a, a backpack. Wow. Yeah. Oh, man, you travel light. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I said, oh, can we orient? Because he made this in a big box. Right. I said, can we take the small footprint and just... And then, you know, so I got a switch, and it'll just leave it so it's just the clean uh, boost. Or yeah. then I switch it again, and then it's the uh, octave like oh, the high yeah. octave, like the Jimi Hendrix, uh, uh, you know, band of gypsies sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. But what's cool is I have this Fishman um, pickup that I I I got um, like an endorsement thing with Fishman. Okay, cool. And I didn't use it for many years, and then one day, and I was in playing a show in Genova. And I decided to plug it in, and I've I've used it live ever since. Oh, I see. And it's a very great pickup. It's it's like it slides into the sound hole. Okay. You know. Yeah. And then it's got this microphone, like on a goose neck, that okay. goes inside, so it picks up the natural acoustic sound as well, and I can blend. But anyways, I can I can use these pedals, my fuzz faces and stuff with. The acoustic guitar now because of this pickup. Oh wow! You know? And it's really fun for me because 
you know, I was a, I was kind of more of a, a purist for a long time, just okay. the acoustic sound. Yeah. But now live, I just reached the point where I just like to have fun, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, at, at least I'm doing things organically and I'm not relying on loops, but I'm, I'm definitely, I have uh, some nice little things where I can vary the tone if I need, you know? Yeah, to do that. it helps you be. It, it, I mean, it can help inspire you. Help, help be, help your creativity out a lot. Yeah, and John John Martin's a good example of oh, somebody, you know, playing the acoustic guitar and it's still sounding really cool, and then having that echoplex sound, and then or or he would play with like a fuzz or distortion. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, I love John I, Martin. I just love that. You know, it's like. Anyways, I think life's too short to be such a purist and you know <laughs> yeah. just like oh it can only be this one way and yeah, yeah why, that's, <laughs> you know. why limit yourself i mean that nothing advances yeah. if if you i mean i can understand some some of it to a point but then you're not advancing anything you're not making anything new yeah exactly <laughs> speaking of new you've done some pretty interesting covers uh you've done Bad Moon Rising, which you took a, a spooky uh, yeah. song and made it even spookier. I see the bad moon rising. I see trouble on the way. I see earthquakes and lightning. I see bad times today Don't go around tonight It's bound to take your life There's a bad moon on Yeah, and then I saw a live video where you, you go into Masters of War into uh, In My Time of Dying Ah, uh, yeah, yeah That was that... really cool Now that kind of came out of uh, the influence many, many years ago. I took, uh, when I was in my early 20s, I, I took, uh, well, I met Martin Simpson and uh, I, I ended up taking lessons off of him, you know? Okay. Uh, he w he's another influence on my slide. He's great slide guitarist. Right. And also, he was influential on me with the uh, um, alternate tunings, you know. Okay. He's, he's really a master at that. And But on one of his early records, he does uh, Masters, Masters of War. Okay. Okay. And he does it in that drop C tuning, which I do also. Yeah. But... At the same time, I loved the early Bob Dylan records. And then, so Dylan covered uh, uh, In My Time of Dying on, on his first record. Okay, okay. And uh, so the idea, I don't know, I just kind of uh, blended those two elements together. I blended uh, Martin Simpson's vibe yeah. Uh, Masters of War, right? And then covering Dylan, and then Dylan <laughs> covering um, 
I forget Josh White, I think. He took Josh White's oh, version yeah. of In My Time of Dying, and that's what you hear on the record. Oh. I wanted to, and those things work so well live. I love, I haven't been able to make a proper recording of that yet, but I, I got to tell you, playing that live is just one of my favorite things to do. I, you know, I love it. The only thing I issue I had with it was the recording. I don't, I don't know if I like the doorbell that I hear throughout it or the cars in the background. You might want to get rid of the, uh, the cars in the background and the doorbell. Although the doorbell made it, it made it interesting. But it's, <laughs> actually, to be honest, I mean, it was really cool. It's, it's uh, I wasn't expecting that progression, and it was just, it was a great performance. It really, really blew me away. Yeah, I, I kind of tend to uh, go for working with uh, songs that you can develop a mood and color, like a soundscape around a good uh, song with, with good lyrics. So if the lyrics have a, a vibe about it, then you can expand the guitar around that to enhance the, the mood. Right. Like, uh, you know, uh, I play uh, Towns Van Zandt, Rake. Oh, okay. I end up recording that, and that's such, I love playing that song live. That just, uh, I recorded that and, and put it out on, you know, iTunes and stuff like that, but actually I didn't even know the song very well when I did that. I'm, I'm so much better at, at doing that live now, and I, oh, I just, cool. every time I play it, it takes on a new life of its own, you know? Oh, that's awesome. So, and on the so, the album, you actually have your is it your piano debut on uh, Django. Yeah, I had uh, recorded some other things, and I was thinking about releasing like two albums, like an experimental. Because literally, I never played piano ever in my oh, really? life. Never <laughs> ever. Wow. And I it wasn't until and then I bought this old German Beckstein. Oh, cool. In Adele. And uh, that thing held together. We found it near a lake for practically no money, wow. about uh, an hour and a half from here. And we got somebody to tune it. And then subsequently, I learned how to tune it. Oh, cool. And, uh, so I can tune pianos now. Wow. Just so I can maintain it. <laughs> but the, the thing that happened, I think the climate and the environment was so different after we had it professionally tuned, there was like, I did a bunch of recordings. And then a month later, I went to Switzerland for um, for a week to do some shows. Okay. When I came back, the the piano was practically, it exploded. Wow. <laughs> like, I mean, it's, it's from the 1890s, you know. Oh, wow. Like the pins, the pins don't even hold, they, they, they slip. Oh, geez. So it doesn't hold tune anymore. It's a phenomenal sounding piano, but it really needs a lot of uh, internal work. Yeah.
So eventually, uh, it's been, I don't know, maybe six months ago, I sold uh, kind of a dear instrument to me, a Les Paul, oh. because I, I, I wanted Adele to have a working piano, you know? Yeah. So and I thought it was more important that she have a good working instrument. And, you know, she's she does a lot of her own music, but she also, you know, she's learned to play Beethoven and Chopin and wow. Satie, like, you know, in, in seven, eight months, she can play beautifully, you know. Wow. She played when she was, uh, uh, not seriously, but I guess regularly when she was a little girl, you know. Oh, okay. So she had already had some kind of aptitude, you know, towards playing it, but yeah. it had been, what, 20 years or something, you know. Wow. Good so, uh, but yeah, for me, I was like, I started playing the piano and I had a Shanti and I in Maine, we had a piano and it was a beautiful piano, but I, I never connected with it. And, yeah. Uh, I always kind of struggled to play and it wasn't until I got this German piano that suddenly, uh, I got inspired to start. And it, it makes sense to me in the way that you play it. Okay. And how the keyboard's laid out. You know, I see it as in patterns in a visual way. Oh, you know? okay. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. But for sure, at, at this stage in my life, I'm never going to have the technical, like the the facility <laughs> to play it properly. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, so, but I, I definitely have a lot of ideas and I love, I love the instrument. It's just, uh, you know, it's, it's just really, it's hard enough to find, uh, you know, yeah, I've, I've, I love so many different kinds of instruments, but I but I always keep coming back and saying, no, you 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 need to focus on the guitar. It's like it's already been, it's a life's work, constantly in progress. You know what I mean? But yep. It's uh, it really guitar requires you to to play it. Yeah, you have to stay. If you stop playing for any length of time, you lose so much. Yeah, you know? I I agree. I'm I'm amateur guitarist, and I haven't played in a long time. And I I'm, when I try to pick it up, it's yeah, it's like starting completely from scratch again. Yeah, it's, it obliges you to play it. Yeah, it really, yeah, it really does. It's it's interesting, and I mean, I love the instrument. Uh, I really love the instrument you know, deeply, yeah. <laughs> profoundly. Well, it comes but, through in the uh, music for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's always interesting though. You know, it's like, uh, can be a struggle. Like sometimes, uh, I don't know. I, I wasn't gifted with this like massively, uh, limber, uh, right hand Yeah. for doing, uh, so I really have to work on certain aspects of my technique, you know, but, okay. um, but yeah, for the composition, it's not like I was saying. It's not important because that's coming from a different place, you right. know. But so yeah, the 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 title track uh, and and the album yeah the album title track "No Love Is Sorrow." I it's a beautiful song, but I kind of want to know how you, how you mean it because the title can is a can be a little the way it's phrased is can be a little ambiguous, like "No Love Is Sorrow" or. Having no love is sorrow, or 
no love is sorrow. Like any type of love, there is no sorrow <laughs> involved in it. So, which way? It, it, it's completely like that. Okay. <laughs> All uh, right. Well, okay. The important thing is also, though, it was uh, one of my, my favorite uh, Pentangle songs. Okay. On certain things you hear in life, they they just keep coming back around, you know, and uh, there's uh, for sure it has that aspect about it. It's such a strong phrase; it can have so many meanings. Yeah, exactly. You know? And uh, for sure, it applies to my my life and all my various situations. <laughs> you know, my life experiences. So uh, it just for sure, it, it when it arrived, when I thought about that phrase, I said, that's the name of the album. Boom. Wow. Done. You know? And the album was pretty much uh, finished in the way that it was. And I, have, I had a lot of songs that were kind of reflecting on, like, For, for Adele was written... You know, in this period when we got the piano, I was thinking about the guitar in a piano, pianistic way. Right. Okay. So she was really struggling. Uh, she was doing some teaching. She was uh, ha having a hard time adjusting uh, to these classes and teaching. And she really kind of was very down. And uh, so this music started coming with me thinking about that, you know. Yeah. Uh, so that kind of tied into it, you know. Okay. Uh, and then... Uh, What's interesting is it's the album's primarily about you know in in many regards uh, it's about Adele or you know things or or like Marie it, my grandmother just died in February oh, and that sorry. music that mother that music she was you know a very important person in my life and she uh, was kind of like when I was growing up like my second mom yeah. you know so. Um, that music just wrote itself oh, after wow. she died. And, and so I, I said, Oh, I'm putting this on the record, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so it came at the last, last minute. Oh, wow. But, and then, uh, Django actually, uh, you can have the, the scoop here. Yeah, all right. Uh, it's my cat. Oh, <laughs> really? Died. Oh, <laughs> oh my who I who I love very much and he was part of the family for 20 years I mean oh wow you know and I found him in Maine and and brought him up to the apartment and uh he fell in love with Shanti and they became very close and yeah 
but he was always a, a part of the family, you know? Yeah. We called him Django because he had an extra claw, like, as opposed to Django Reinhardt. Who do you think? Who was, you know, <laughs> Django had too much. Yeah. You know? So he was an ironic Django. Yeah. So actually, so yeah, a lot of the songs are actually quite heavy in that regard. Well, no, you had a you had a, a bit of a Django moment yourself. You, you had an accident with a router, is that right? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. This finger is all like scar tissue. Oh my gosh! I was working uh, in the for seven years. I worked for uh, Dana Bourgeois in Maine. Okay, and then. Uh, it was great because uh, I worked for him, and we had a small group of guys. We were building all the guitars, and then uh, when I got done working uh, for him, I, you know, eventually we I had uh, use of the shop, and I started making my own guitars, you know. Oh, wow. But anyways, years doing the same job, I was working on his guitars one morning, and this jig, it started to wear out a little bit, and I was doing the same thing I would always do. It's like uh, like this, uh, well, no, I don't have one here, but there's a strip on many guitars. Oh, yeah, yeah. End. Yes. I was routing that out and uh, with a handheld router. Oh, well, wow. the jig that I would mount the guitars up got so loose that uh, – for I'd say a good year, I would put my hand underneath yeah. and steady it and do the route with one hand. Oh, wow. Well, one day, it just kind of slipped off, and and it went down, and my pinky was hanging out, and Ooh. Ran, ran over it. <laughs> oh, jeez. That was pretty crazy, and... Uh, Wow. Has that affected yeah. your playing at all? Well, I couldn't play for a long time, you know, and, and uh, I had to wear this big cast. I, there's a picture somewhere because uh, Shanti and I, we had an Arborea gig in Portland, Maine, and I was, uh, you can see me all bandaged up, still playing. And oh, wow. I'm playing sliding. <laughs> you know? Oh, my gosh. And so yeah, so... So that's scary, but yeah, I can't really, it's very, it's numb even now. There's, wow. It's hard. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. It what's, what's strange though, cause literally when it happened, you can see the path where the router built. Oh, really? Wow. But it eventually like grew back round, <laughs> but, but yeah, it's totally dead. Oh my you know, gosh. It's hard. It's very hard to use that finger properly oh you didn't you didn't have to do a, a tony iomi where you like made some kind of cap for your fingers or anything no i oh, mean good. yeah that's a strange thing but but if you see it in person like you can see it's all like scar tissue wow you know oh my gosh i'm fortunate that it grew back in a in a way in a way that it doesn't look you know <laughs> Yeah, the I, distance, yeah, I can't tell from here. I just, I, I was, <laughs> I just read about it. I'm like, oh, I, you just reminded me. I got to ask about that. Yeah, I mean, the other day I cut, I cut that finger really bad as well on a piece of glass that <laughs> oh, my son dropped, and uh, although it healed really fast, it took a week, but it really sliced it long ways on the underside, so I couldn't use that. Oh, and of course, everybody, everybody's like. Uh, 
all these friends of mine are like, ah, you play slide guitar, it's no problem. Keep... Okay, yeah. <laughs> no, actually, I, I do use this for chords a lot. Yeah. So it's, it is hard to play a lot of the stuff that I play. Uh, if I don't use this to a certain, you know, the way that I've developed being yeah. able to play with it. So, yeah. so your yeah. album, your, your album is, uh, coming, is it out already is, or is it coming out? So, so I released it digitally just because there's no, you know, I was going to wait till October to, to do the vinyl CD, everything. Yeah. But with being, stuck i said no i i i have to get some kind of hopefully income you know yeah. streaming in somehow and yeah, uh exactly. and uh it's a you know in the end most of my records they're kind of like they they come out digitally and then a couple months later the vinyl comes out it's it's never been timed up perfectly anyways okay. but for sure this will be the longest uh um spread i think Fingers crossed that we'll be able to get it out on vinyl in October. Oh, good. Which uh, I'm hopefully there will be some uh, form of touring possible by then. Yeah. In smaller places, or we'll see. You know. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a weird weird time for everybody right now, but especially for people who rely on touring and and yeah. public gatherings for income. It's it's. Anyways, I don't really want to. I have a couple small recording projects that I want to work on, and the, my friend Will Soul, who goes by the name Prana Crafter, out and uh, out on the western west coast of the U.S. He, um, yeah, we we have this idea to do some recording together, uh, and I've already got like a head for an electric guitar piece, like a, a melody, and then. Most of it will be improvised, you know. Oh, good. And, uh, That's cool. Anyways, the the compositions on this new album really require me to spend a lot of time playing them all the time. Yeah. And actually, for Adele, it's very difficult to play. I'm used to, using the entire width of the fingerboard. Oh, and, wow. Uh, and it's using all kinds of shapes. It's very complex. I stopped playing that three months ago, so now I have to relearn it. Like oh, I have got my plate full with this record, so I'm not like really like one of these people that are anxious. Like, oh, I'm in lockdown. Let me see how many albums I can. <laughs> you know, yeah. like no, I, I've already got like 50 songs that I have to rehearse in any given week to wow. maintain the catalog that I do. So. Um, and each one of those is very specific about how I'm, uh, getting the tone of things, you know? So yeah. it's like, I've already, there's, there's not any, I'm not in any rush to <laughs> suddenly materialize a new album when this thing's, uh, still going to have a, a life of its own for the next few years, you yeah. know? So well, where can people find it? How can they, how can they buy it and help support you in this crazy, insane time? And so, uh, band camps, uh, you know, definitely the, uh, a good way to, that we get direct, you know, artists get direct support from, yeah. but, uh, other than that, it's available everywhere. Amazon, Apple music, another big thing, uh, Spotify, my God, so it's 
such it's it's you know it is what it is <laughs> yeah exactly you know it you don't get any money from it but uh that's another way i mean yeah. get a fraction of something yeah you know? it's um, so yeah i guess it's definitely distributed through every uh every platform in the world oh wonderful so, yeah yeah i know i've kept you for quite a while but uh i mean thank you so much for spending so much time with me I, I, it's been a blast yeah. talking with you achieve the American dream, the big house, the happy family, the money. Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, the Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.